following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. But the, it's very clear just from the fact that the Torah says, first of all, it's diagnosed by the Kohen, um, and the Torah discusses in various scenarios what causes the malady. And it's clearly a spiritual disease. So one of the key points discussed as to what is the cause of this tzarat, and it wasn't only on your physical body, it could be on your clothing. Um, actually, the, the, these blotches came up on clothing, also on your home. In many cases, the house itself um, got this, what's known as tzarat. So the, one of the proofs that it's not a physical malady is the fact that the Kohen, the actual priest, would be the one to diagnose. He didn't go to a physician. Um, the priest was the one to diagnose it, and then, based on the various colors and what it looked like, the priest would then decide whether you had to go in isolation. You didn't have to go in isolation. But, um, but again, it wasn't because it was contagious. The reason given, and it was discussed in many of the commentaries, not in the Torah itself, as to why the person went into isolation um, afterwards was really because of the sin of, of Lashon Hara, which is the reason given as for this malady. It's because he spoke badly about other people, so it's sort of, he separated himself from the community, so we, we prescribed, so to speak, punishment, is he put, he's put in isolation where he has to um, have introspection and think about what he's done, that he's not part of the community. The reason, there's a reason why he's not part of the community, because if you can, usually if you degrade other people, you put down other people, obviously, you have a problem with society, so therefore, we put you in isolation to, for you to realize what you've done and to have introspection and to realize you, you're not a member of society. If you want to be a functioning member of society, then you need to be, you can't always be putting down other people. That's in, in short what the message of Lashon Haran is. So this Lashon Haran itself is a major prohibition. As we'll see, it's a biblical prohibition. It means speaking negatively about other people. And, but today, actually, I want to talk about the, the exceptions. There are many exceptions, especially in, as related to business. Because um, we always hear about how terrible it is, and it is a terrible thing to, to put down other people, speak negatively about other people, but um, there's a whole other side of permission of Lashon Hara when it's permitted, um, which is, hello, welcome. We're, uh, that one, that one. Oh, that one, that one. So you operate. Where Lashon Hara is actually not only permitted, as we're going to see, but in many cases required to speak negatively about someone else. I wanted to discuss that um, in the context of uh, one of the key questions is, which has come up to me from various uh, companies that I've dealt with is peer reviews. How does it work if an employee or an employer asks, uh, asks about a specific employee? Or many times companies will have um, internal peer reviews where they actually ask the employees to rate the management or other employees in the company. And is that something, how does that work? If you're going to say something negative, are you allowed to say something negative? Um, when it's permitted, and what are the caveats having the permission? So there's a lot of applications to this, as we'll see. Just in essence, so it's important to note that, that as we mentioned, Lashon Har is a biblical prohibition. It's very clear in Leviticus. It's actually in next week's Torah portion, um, Kedoshim, which we don't read next week because it's Passover. But it's, so we read it, I believe, the week after Passover. Um, but it's coming up. This week is Achrei Mount. So it's the following time we read the regular Torah portion because on Passover we skip Shabbat of Passover. We, we read things relevant to Passover. So it's going to be the Shabbat after Passover, really, where the source for the prohibition, the biblical source for the prohibition of Lashon Hara is. Lashon Hara literally translated 
um, in the word lashon, which means tongue. Hara means evil. So he means an evil tongue, which is obviously, that's again a literal translation. But in, in our, uh, in, in modern day um, vernacular, we call it gossip. So gossip, what's, what's, there's a few interesting things about lashon hara. It's not just prohibited um, if it's non true. People think there's a myth. Lashon hara is, it's only if you're speaking negatively when it's about someone when it's, when it's not true. And you're making up a statement, so which would be called. Actually, that has a different name. Biblically, that's a different prohibition, known as motzi shemra. That means you're giving someone a bad name, literally ruining their reputation. Not rightfully so. So that's when you're when you're not speaking truth. So that actually is not lashonara. Lashonara is prohibited, even if the statement you're making is fully true. You're saying uh, this guy is having an affair. Whatever. Okay, as we'll see, there are cases you might be. You, might, you should say that to someone, but uh, but let's say you're just telling, you know, you're just talking in shul, or you're saying this guy is, uh, you know, oh, he's terrible. He's uh, he, he's treated the way he treats his wife is terrible. The way he treats his children is terrible. So that, even though it tr- might be a hundred percent true statement, but the fact um, that you're saying it, as we'll see, without any constructive purpose, that in itself is a biblical prohibition. Okay, and we'll talk about when when it's not. But first, let's say the simple translation of lashon So and. And now what's interesting is uh, around 70 years ago, I would say, so till then, it's, it's one of these sins actually, but I didn't put, the, I didn't put it on the here, here on the sheet, but the ta- should have. Talmud says that there are three sins that a person does daily, every single person. It's almost impossible um, not to violate these sins on a daily basis. One of them is, uh, the Talmud says, is a, what's called a vak lashanar, sort of the dust of lashanar. You might not speak directly negative about someone, but you're alluding every, on a daily basis, we all almost violate this, and as human beings, the Talmud understands, even though it's prohibited, something's prohibited from the Torah, doesn't mean that, usually in many cases, we're going to end up violating that law. So Lashonar is one of those things, which is almost in a certain sense, uh, daily, as humans, we, we end up speaking negatively, or referring to someone in a negative way, um, almost on a daily basis. Um, so around 70 years ago, as I started saying, there was a someone, his name was Rabbi Israel Meir Kogin, uh, Kagan. He was uh, he lived in Poland, Lithuania, wherever the borders were at that time. And um, he died, I believe, in 1932, prior to, prior to World War II. But he put out one of his, his magnum opus, um, at least one of his major books, was known as uh, a book called Chafetz Chaim. Literally means though the chafetz chaim is the literal translation means someone who who wants seeker of life. Okay, is the name of the book. Obviously, sounds like one of these uh, scams on, on Amazon. But uh, but it wasn't a scam. I don't think he made money off the book. He he uh, the, the the whole book was basically about this prohibition dealing with the various laws related to lashon hara. Whole book about it. It was the first time ever a book was printed in that sense. Um, he felt like it was something that, since, as we said, it's something that's lax amongst people, it's worth printing a book um, about it. And the, the reason the, the, the name was taken actually from a verse in Psalms. The, the verse in Psalms says, uh, You shall guard your tongue from evil. Um, sorry, skip the beginning of the verse. The verse begins in Psalms. It says, Who is um, one who seeks life? Someone who guards his tongue from evil. Okay, so the, the, the psalmist, King David, refers to if you want to live long, if you want to seek life, you should guard your tongue from evil. 
hence the name, that's where he took the name, Seeker of Life, um, for the title for the book of Anlash uh, and But in any case, it's a, it's a fascinating book. I've never read through the whole thing, obviously very dry. And, um, but he, he actually claims there that when anytime one speaks negatively about someone else, in a case that's not permitted, not in the exceptions as we're going to talk about, you violate something like over, there's, I think it's 12 negative commandments and six positive commandments he brings in. So it's a pretty, according to him, it's a pretty serious law. Rabbi, there's a book um, that I read that was put out <coughs> by two rabbis. One of them is Rabbi Feinstein. It's called A Lesson a Day, and it's all about the laws of Lashon Hara. Right, so that's taken. All these, there's a lot of contemporary books that are it taken. Is, uh, it is so complicated. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and, you know, Very complicated. inferences fact, and there's stuff. There's a whole, there's an organization that exists today that's it's called Chafetz Chaim Heritage Foundation mm-hmm. in upstate New York. And they, it's amazing. I just I went to the website because I was looking for a graphic the front of the thing, so I got this from them, but, but they, basically what they do is they go to schools, they have all these programs, um, some of them are, they have like a program you join where you get, let's say, a group of uh, men, women, whoever it is, together, um, and they each pick an hour a day that you're not going to speak negatively about someone, just want to, because they know it's so hard <laughs> not to speak negatively, so you, everyone, so you get together uh, 24 people, I guess whoever gets middle of the night, that's the easy one, but you get 12 people together, and the point is everyone picks one hour a day, that mm-hmm. that hour every day they're not going to speak, uh, at least they'll watch themselves, it's interesting, they have these various programs, so there's a lot of, uh, you know, methods, and today they do it in schools, and things like that, but the point is, so, um, today actually we're going to speak about the other side of Lashon Hara, which is the permitted side, because everyone knows there's a problem with it, but there actually are many cases, as we're saying, especially in the context of business, where it's not only permitted, but it's actually Ab- an obligation to speak negatively about a fellow. So this is what I want to talk about. So the, the, the case that I, put, that I put on top is like this. Because um, there are many cases, especially in the workplace, I wrote on top here, the, work, the workplace provides many situations in which a worker would feel pressure to talk critically about a colleague, employer, or subordinate. Employers often request that an employee evaluate the performance of a fellow employee. That's obviously one scenario where you're going to have, you, if they're asking you to speak negatively about a colleague, question is, are you allowed to do that, based on, the, on this Torah prohibition? Additionally, sometimes people talk about colleagues in situations when not expressly required to do so by the employer. Even these discussions are sometimes beneficial, so there's a benefit to them in that they enable the co-workers to express their frustration and blow off steam. So it could be about the boss, it could be about a colleague. And the reason, this, re- this release of tension can help clients avoid subsequent arguments. You're excused for coming late, taxis and, and accountants. What? Your excuse for coming late, tax season. Thank you. You have a valid excuse. <laughs> Facilitate development. So, so we're saying is that there's a benefit many times, even if you're not required. Let's say the boss doesn't ask you to, to evaluate or fill out a form about the performance of the company or colleague. But um, many times just getting it off your shoulder, because people are frustrated with their coworker or their boss or their manager, whatever the case is. So they need to, it's a way of releasing tension which could potentially, you, you can argue, avoid subsequent arguments, facilitate development of strategies to deal with a colleague, or, you know, it's meaning you're discussing with other colleagues, or with your manager. How do I, this guy is just so frustrated, I can't work with him. How do I, how do I, what can we do to make the situation better? So that's a potential benefit, um, where you can deal, again, to how to strategize to make the workplace environment better, or provide emotional or moral support. 
So many times you just need a shoulder to cry on. So you talk to someone at the water cooler and to figure out, so you know, just to let out your frustrations. So the problem is, we're saying, as we said, Lashon Hara is this major prohibition. So how does that work? Is there a problem? I need the moral support of a colleague or even sometimes a spouse. You know, when I come home, the spouse comes home from work, they want to talk about their boss, how terrible things are going at work. Okay? So and then we're not picking on bosses. It can be a colleague, whatever it is, a fellow, uh, you know, whoever it is. They need to get it off their chest, which one can argue is, has a moral benefit. So what are the lucky parameters of evaluating the performance of fellow employees? That's question number one. Does it make a difference if the speaker is a sub-manager or a co-worker, meaning do we care if you don't the boss, the, man, the, the co-worker doesn't? Is there a difference? Under what situations may one discuss with others problems encountered while, while working with another? Okay, so this is the question here. Again, this is, there's many other situations, as we'll see. One is, as a teacher, for sure this comes up in, in a school. Um, disciplining kids, many times a teacher um, has to ask someone in the class who did this. Right? Yeah. Um, is, the, is the child or even the child, high school, allowed to say who did, you know, is they allowed to tattletale on their fellow uh, students? Okay, as we'll see, many, many situations. Um, and this is really the, maybe one can argue the question of Edward Snowden, um, where, we'll, you know, he's tattletaling on the government for yeah. violating free speech or other governmental organizations is maybe it's, is this permitted or not does he have a right to do that um, as we'll talk about okay so so as we said the source is um, the, the philosophy behind the prohibition is this week's parsha this past week's portion which is Mitzorah dealing with the reason for this spiritual malady and again it's a um, a terrible thing I, I once saw the uh, an explanation. The one of the, the, the Torah, the Talmud, in one place says that a mitzvah, someone who has sarat, a mitzvah is considered as if he's. We consider him dead, and whatever that means, okay, morally. So, the, and and it mentions other things there. It mentions a, a person, indigent person, is considered dead. And it has a list of indigent people. So, uh, one saw from my Rashiva explained it like this. He said, "What's the common denominator? All the people it deals with there." Talks about a mitzora, an indigent person, a uh, this is not so politically correct. Says someone who is infertile, who can't have children, also mentions there. Um, but but it's interesting. Uh, so it says the common denominator is. He explained like this. He says that it's 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 uh, people. Life is about giving. Life is all about dealing with other people and being able to give to society, to give to other people in society. So he says the common denominator of all these people, including a mitzora, is people who obviously cannot give to society, meaning if someone who doesn't have money poor themselves, they can't give away money. So, so th- of course it doesn't mean they're dead in that sense. And actually, another one on the list, again, not so politically correct, is some, it says a blind person on that same list, someone who's blind. So, so he discusses they're blind, uh, not seeing is problem with communication. You can't fully communicate with someone, you can't see. They can't be, can fully be integrated, in, integrated in par- as part of society. So to the Mitzorah, he says, one who has this illness, this because it came about because of Lashonara, he's obviously someone who, who feels he can't be into. He's always speaking negatively about someone else. He can't, he's not integrated into society enough where he's always, if someone constantly has bickering about the rabbi or the shul or whoever it is, so they obviously have a problem. If they have to put down other people, it's contemporary psychology says that also. If you have to put down other people to lift yourself up, there obviously is a problem. 
So with society, you have a, you have a problem relating to, to other people. So it was just an interesting side. So again, so the source, so clearly Lashonara is, is a terrible thing. And again, the source is from next week's Torah portion, which is Leviticus 19. And it says, you shall not be a gossip monger amongst your people. And the end of the verse, we discussed many times, and we'll show the correlation here. In the same verse ends off, you shall not stand idly by while your fellow's blood is being shed. I am God. Okay? So the Maimonides, in the next paragraph, in number two, goes on to explain what's, as we said, what is a gossip monger? monger? One who collects information and then goes from person to person saying, this is what I heard from so-and-so. Even if the statements are true, says Maimonides, they bring about destruction. So just, you know, sitting around and... And obviously you can talk, again, Chafetz Chaim stresses this many times in his book, doesn't, we're not prohibiting speech here. Judaism is all about free speech. But, you, and it doesn't mean you should sit at it better if you want to be, uh, don't violate, to sit at home and don't talk. It means, obviously, again, if you're speaking negatively about people, that's where it becomes an issue. But talking is, a, is not a bad thing. Okay, so, so again, the, the point of my mind is here, is the fact that it's a true statement doesn't give you allowance. Many times you'll tell someone, oh, you know, that shouldn't be speaking negatively, but they'll say, oh, it's true, Rabbi, it's true. I'm not saying anything bad, it's true. So truth doesn't give you a right. The fact that it's true doesn't give you a right to say it, again, if it's negative. Now, so, yes. Just, what do you do when you're sitting around with people and someone else is doing that? Uh, what's, uh, yeah. that's, that's so just recently. So, so the Chavetz Chaim talks about that. Yeah, he does. So two things. One is, it's interesting. The Talmud says, that uh, this obviously is not, I'm not suggesting you do this in public, but the Talmud says one of the reasons I believe the middle finger fits exactly into your ear perfectly. It says God made it. It brings a verse. It says it's a yatet. It's a peg. It's a peg for your ear. If you ever in a situation, you shouldn't be hearing. You're not supposed to be hearing things. You, you know, today we have we have earplugs. So I was by a wedding last week. We were there, sitting at the same table, and someone pulls out of earplugs, gives them out. For the band is very loud. This woman pulls out of her pocketbook a uh, package of earplugs, hands it around the table. So you need to carry earplugs with you. <laughs> so, but the real, the truth is like this. So the Chavz Chaim says, that's not so feasible. Not so I'll feasible tell, because right. by the time you're ready to pull the earplugs oh, so. out, you've already heard so it. The Chavz Chaim says, if you're in such a situation, he says very simply, he says, if you can't get away, you obviously you're part of this conversation. So the first, he says, what you do is you're, you can hear it. <coughs> Hearing, even though it says hearing it, obviously you can't stop yourself from hearing it. The point is, you're, you're not allowed to believe it. It's a very hard thing <laughs> to do. But it says you're not allowed to believe if you hear Lashonara, unless you know it as a fact. Meaning just hearsay, as we're going to see, is not sufficient. So if someone tells you something negatively about someone, you're, he's, according to the Chavz Chaim, you're not allowed to believe that statement. You can't accept it as fact. You can, as we'll talk about soon, me, you can um, suspect it, that means you're allowed to take action to protect yourself based on that information. So as we'll talk about, if someone tells you this guy, don't go into business with this guy, you know, you ripped the last five people off, or, you know, this guy steals from the office, you can set up a camera based on that information, but you can't accept it as fact. That's what the Chavetz Chaim says, and it's a very, probably, I don't know, it's an impossibility, but it's very hard to, someone tells you information, again, you can act on the information, but you can't accept it as fact, as we'll see. So that's basically what the, you well, I mean, I guess not accepting it as fact. I mean, that just means don't pass it along. So again, well, I mean, we're going to get to when you're allowed to when you're allowed to pass it along, when you're allowed to say it. But 
But let's say you're in a situation where someone tells you something that will could negatively affect you. So even in that situation, if it can, if if it has nothing to do with you, just tell you. By the way, this guy's having an affair. You know, X is having an affair. So you have no right to believe that unless you, unless you're the spouse. Then you have to act. That. <coughs> but I'm saying, if someone's just telling you a juicy bit of gossip about the rabbi, about the chazan, or whatever it is, you cannot accept it. You cannot. You can. You might. You're there. You heard. You heard it. In, the, in other words, when you're dealing with him in the morning, when you say you just say hello to him every morning, you don't act upon it. You just say your normal hello every morning. Right. Normally yeah, unless you have to protect yourself, then you can act. Yeah. As we'll see, if you're in business with a guy or something like that, where it's relevant, or obviously your spouse and he's having. You heard he's just, he or she's having an affair. Then you. you then you're allowed. You're allowed to again act on it. But not believe it as fact until you ascertain the fact. If the person who says this guy's a crook did got ripped off by the guy directly, so he's a direct. Yeah, but it's still hearsay coming from him. In halacha, unless two witnesses state something, we're not. We can't believe it. Two witnesses. No, you need to have either evidence, clear evidence, or not. Uh, It has to be very clear evidence. You have to have seen it yourself. So I want to offer an anecdotal observation, which is that I think Jews are amongst the worst violators. <laughs> That's what my husband always well, said. I just told you, Talmud says, Talmud says every single day we violate this law. Well, but I'm... I don't know if it's just Jews. I mean, I, I don't know. You say, in what sense? Because of the shul, sitting in shul? Or we're no, uh, talking about the rabbi? <laughs> well, I'll give you a specific example, which I happen to be involved in. Uh, not too long ago, I received a... We were going to go out with some people, and I suggested a restaurant. And the guy said, "Oh, the owner is. Everybody knows the owner is very anti-Semitic." Oh, you told me the story, right? And I checked and found that that was truly out in the Jewish community. Just that meaning it was just for him that view in the Jewish. Um, and I happen to know the owner. I've had dealings with him. No, oh, but that's that could be an amount to defend some Jews is Jews are hypersensitive about anti-Semitism. Okay, that's an issue. I, I agree that's on that. They are hypersensitive. Uh, right. uh, Anything could, where could, the could guy could sneezes could the wrong way out is anti-Semitism. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> and since I told you the story, his lawyer's Jewish, his CPA is Jewish. That's not a proof. Everyone knows the best lawyer is Jewish. Yeah, because the best, best lawyer is no, no, the best doctor. That's what Jews think. No, non-Jews think that. No, non-Jews do think that. That is not true. No, non-Jews do think that. They do. I can bring you a parade of non-Jews that will tell you they hit the, the malarkey. Mm-hmm. Never heard it. Well, no. Same thing happened to Robert Frum. He ran for office. Remember, he came out of the New York Press. They were saying he was anti-Semitic because he didn't want his daughter to marry a Jew or which was the most garbage. If you're from Dallas, you know it was garbage. Well, you knew that it wasn't true. Yeah, okay, so that's anti-Semitism is a whole different... People are just hypersensitive. Right. I, I'm just making... Jews are Yeah. In many... No, no, you understand. Listen, there's no question. I've seen that. a lot of... I thought, I thought you were going to say Jews. about criticizing the food in the restaurant, because Jews are also are known to criticize <laughs> any food. We're very critical about food. Yeah. So if they say sure. the food's bad, you can't accept it as bad. Can I, can I speak to something that, that Brian just said a second ago about the hearing? You know, I read about hearing things, and whether you believe it or not, I read this book, this book that I mentioned before, maybe before you came in, called A Lesson a Day. I read the thing through twice, okay? Because there's so many rules in Lashon Hara, but it says there, at one point it says that when Lashon Hara is 
is spoken, and God, it, it, it hurts three people. The mm-hmm. one who hears it, the one they're talking about, and the one who speaks it. Mm-hmm. So there's three people involved, and that's probably ties mm-hmm. also with yeah, the no. so fact that you're not supposed to Chavis listen Chaim to it. says clearly that there's a prohibition to listen to it also, but obviously you can't, if you're in a situation, you can't just, you know, you heard it already, it's too late. So maybe, maybe if just you know, to forget it, right? Or just forget No, you don't have to forget it, but again, you can't accept it as fact, which mm-hmm. again, it's, it's a hard thing, I'm not saying. It's yeah, easy to do. Yeah. Very hard thing. But again, I want to focus on the other side when okay. it's permitted to, to talk about Okay, because everyone always talks about when it's permitted. So yeah. I want to show the other side. Yeah. Okay, so, so, so just as we're saying, there's a prohibition, and a serious prohibition on Lashon Hara. There is also cases where not only, it's not that it's Lashon Hara, but it's permitted. It's actually, from the, the criteria, from the, the criteria of Lashon Hara, you see the Torah said in itself, when the Torah talks about the prohibition, it says that certain cases are not Lashon Hara. So let's go back to the verse, fascinating thing. The verse, if you go back to number one, on the, the heading Lashon Hara, the verse, the source in the Torah says like this, shall not be a gossip monger among your people. And then the same exact verse, it's not just juxtaposed, not the next verse, in the same verse, the Torah finishes off, you shall not stand utterly by while your fellow's blood is being shed. I am God. So what's the connection? It's two totally different prohibitions here, two totally different mitzvot. One is, don't gossip. Okay, don't speak negatively about someone. Second one is, that you shall not if you're someone uh, needs to be rescued, you shall rescue them. Mm-hmm. So what in the world is connection? Right? What, is the, what does rescue have to do with gossiping? No connection whatsoever. So the commentaries explain a fascinating thing. It's really from a Gemara, but any of the commentaries talk about it. It's, the Torah is telling you, it's defining what is Lashon It says, don't gossip, don't speak negatively about someone, but you also have an obligation to rescue. Okay, don't stand utterly by while his brother, brother's blood is being shed. That means, in the classical case, that means if you can rescue someone, literally, in the literal sense, save their life by speaking Lashon Hara, the classical case would be, uh, you're, you're, you know this person has, uh, has AIDS, okay, they have a contagious so disease, or not defending thinking. somebody. It's right, so saying. in that case, yeah. the Torah is saying, not only is it not Lashon Hara, you, you have an obligation to, to tell someone. So if you, well, let, let's leave out a doctor for a second, because that's more complicated. But let's say you, you're, uh, you, you're, ex-boyfriend, you know he has AIDS. Okay, someone just broke up with him and you know now he has, he's on to a new girlfriend. He's on to the next woman. And you know he's HIV positive. Well, I don't say, I'm not picking on HIV positive. It could be any, any contagious, any sexually transmitted disease or any contagious disease for that matter. So you, now the question is, should I tell the woman? You know, it's Lashon Hara. Well, I don't know what to do. Well, why? I'm not going to speak negatively about him. Says the Torah, no. Do not stand idly by while your fellow's blood is being shed. So you have an obligation to tell that the next girlfriend that, this, that her partner has AIDS. Because if you don't, this, this literally, you could put in their life in danger. Okay, you, you can rescue someone and you're not. Okay, so that's classical case, which is literally the interpretation. I mean, not literally, but if you read the verse together, that's the verse to tell you. Don't gossip, don't speak negatively about someone, but don't forget, in a situation where you can save someone's life, that's not, that's, there's no prohibition. As a matter of fact, there's an obligation now to save their life. I was going to take that a different way, saying, all right, don't, afraid of, don't be a gossip under among the people. But don't stand, then I was thinking, of, don't stand early by while blood is being shed in the sense of, you know, uh, uh, shedding protect, blood by protect speaking his uh, reputation. 
Yes. So that's true. Not the simple way to read the verse. Meaning, if you're not connecting, even if you are connecting to the simple way, would be saying speaking badly about someone is like you're shedding their blood. But but again, right? But the but the the other way, the the way they're interpreting it is on the contrary. It's it's two different prohibitions, which which it is. It's listed in the six hundred thirteen mitzvot. There are two separate mitzvot. There's the, the prohibition of speaking lashonara. And then there's also the pro, there's a obligation, a positive obligation, to rescue someone, which we discussed in the past. That's so a good Samaritan. Did you mention the uh, uh, don't stay in either box yeah. except for Deuteronomy? No, it's not even mentioned in Deuteronomy. It's the only place. It's the only place. Only place is mentioned. So again, so so now, so the what they what they understand from this is, so we're saying in the literal sense it means literally rescue. I can tell someone, um, you know, today by the way, and, and just as many I, I, for for my work, sometimes I have to watch TV shows. Um, so there's there's law and order. I went uh, there's, uh, there's another show. I, but I'm saying for my CLEs, I'm always looking for a good show that I can show. So law and order. There's a few of them. Um, there's the other another uh, law program. I forgot. Both of them had cases where, and it seems like in two states, have it on the books that if you don't, if you know you have AIDS, by the way, and you sleep with someone, you have a relationship with someone, you uh, or you endanger their life knowingly, so you can get you can be prosecuted for it. Very hard to prove, but technically, once you know, if you know, so it's fascinating that this is actually law in some states. So you, if I if I can prevent someone from getting it, and you have either me myself or if someone else knows, then that's that's an obligation to rescue. You have an obligation to tell them to tell that person. Okay, so so seemingly that's what the Torah is saying also. Now, where it's broadened is like this. So there's a concept, and the Chafetz Chaim talks about this. Something known what's called toelet. Okay, that's the, the operative word here in Hebrew. Toelet means, it, as I, I, I translate it as constructive purpose. Really, it means toelet means there's a purpose. Okay, now any so what they brought in this law is that any time there's a constructive purpose in your lashon hara, and obviously we have to define that. There's a constructive purpose for you speaking negatively about someone else, and we and of course as we'll see, there's many caveats in that. Then you're it's not lashon hara. Lashon hara means again you're speaking negatively for no purpose, just gossip. It's God. That's the Torah uses the term gossip. Rachel means a gossip monger. You go, it's my manly's defines it. You're just going to shoot the breeze. You wanna, you, you know, you gotta have, you gotta talk during the rabbi's sermon. You gotta talk in shul by the kiddush. There's something to talk about. The water cooler at work. So that's called lashon hara. If I'm speaking lashon hara, meaning again, it's not really the word lashon hara is the it's the wrong term. If I'm speaking negatively about someone for a constructive purpose, then that's not lashon hara. Okay, so there's. Just as the Torah says, don't stand idly by. So there's many applications where, as we'll see, it's not lashonara. So toelis means constructive purpose, not only permitted, as we'll see in some cases, you're obligated to speak. As in the case, surely in the case of someone has AIDS, you're obligated. We're saying again, the reason why I didn't speak about a doctor is because a physician can lose his license in some cases. He's also obligated to reveal it in some issues, in some instances. Sometimes you can lose your license if you reveal it to the wrong person. Um, so, another case, by the way, would be let's say someone uh, you know they can't drive. Their eldest is very happens a lot with elderly people, right? Where they're at the point where they driving for them and <laughs> being on the road is dangerous. <laughs> He's smiling. He has a mom. How's your mom? Oh, she's fine. <laughs> she drive. She's yeah. still driving, right? Yeah. She. Uh, I don't know if she's safe or not. Right. So the point is. Sometimes you have a parent or, a, or an elderly person who's living with you and you know that putting, letting them drive is, is, yeah. 
is dangerous. But so in some cases, let's say with even younger people, epilepsy, if someone has seizures, so legally they're not allowed to be on the road. It's obviously dangerous. Legally, can't be on the road. But according to this, what we're saying is you're obligated to go to the whoever is the motor vehicle department, let them know that this person shouldn't be driving. If you told if you told them, as we'll see, that's a caveat. You have to try and obviously telling them first. But assuming you tried and they still insist on driving, you need to do something about it because literally their lives are in danger. Other people's lives are in danger. So it's, it's a that's a, that will be another example. Okay. So again, so there's four. I made four categories here. One is eight to help the person spoken about. <coughs> speak about another's faults to help that person improve. So let's say, you know, I need to speak to their therapist or someone's whatever the case is. They're having marriage problems. So whatever the case may be and of course as a professional you have to be careful again because you can be sued you can lose your license especially as a rabbi there are actually two lawsuits in New York State people who sue their rabbis for revealing confidentiality um, so you need to be careful one case was actually where a spouse came to the rabbi in confidentiality told it was a woman said she's having an affair and the rabbi went ahead and told the husband about it um, and she's, this woman sued the rabbi in court revealing her confidentiality. And was the rabbi wrong in telling the husband then? So halachically he was right. Legally, I, I don't remember, I, I didn't look at it again before this class, but I think he won in court too. He, his argument was halachically he had to tell the husband because they're not allowed to live together. Once, she's, once the woman's having an affair, halachically they can't be together. Yeah. So he said halachically he had to, religiously, his obligation was to tell the husband. That's, uh, that's a whole different... Um, case, but I'm saying, but, but you have to be careful as a professional, because you can lose your life as an attorney, as, an, as a physician. A question would be, did he fully Napkin. disclose that to the wife before so she started speaking? He didn't. Um, that's but, the point, but, but the question is, again, logically Transparency cures an awful lot. Yeah, so, true, if he right. said, look, you're, you know, you're coming to me in confidence, let's talk. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't say. I don't think they discussed. She just said, "I'm telling you this in confidence." You know, so tricky though. Right. So actually, I just had a case this morning. I was thinking as it, um, where she took it's similar case, but it was a. I don't want to give away too many details because you know, but it's a, it was first of all it was relevant to kosher. There's an accusation that his coach established and brought some stuff in from the outside, which you're not supposed to. Um, so I didn't accept the accusation. Actually, we found it at the end of the day. We, s- we found video footage, cameras. It's amazing what, what today <laughs> you can find the video. So I didn't accept it as fact, and we couldn't really act on it until we saw the fact. That's one thing. Um, the other thing is, uh, clearly in that case, it would be allowed, similar to this, because it's for constructive purposes. The person who's telling it to me would be allowed to tell me. Um, for constructive purposes. Again, I can't accept it as fact until now that I saw the video footage, accept it as fact. And um, similar situation, just today, this morning, exactly. you, don't, you don't realize how many times throughout the day things happen relevant to this. Um, so a, an employee, an employer is trying to get rid of a certain employee. This employee told me in confidence, which I didn't reveal, told me in confidence that they plan on leaving anyway in a month. Now he and they're scared of a lawsuit. They're trying to find a way to get rid of this employee. Do I tell that, that am I allowed to tell that to the employer? No, no. I don't think I can. I, mean, I didn't. I don't think I can. Even though they're trying to get rid of him now. If they fire them, this person in the next month, they could have a lawsuit. The question is, as we'll see, I don't, I don't know the answer here. Let's see how the caveats work. Meaning, I'm saving them. If I reveal this information now to the employer, I can potentially save them from a lawsuit. 
Because if they fire them, the person might sue. So, I don't know the answer yet. How would that tie into the fact of trying to make peace? If you avoid the lawsuit, then your peace is kind of held up. Yeah, no, but the question again, someone told me something, there's there's a few issues as a rabbi, I don't know if I can reveal it. Anyway, even if I could save them, the the question is, we'll see. Let's let's read a little, we'll see. How far do we jump out on something of warning somebody else? For argument's sake, um, his daughter is being trained. So we're going to talk about that. We'll get to that case. That's a very good question, meaning when it comes to marriage. Hey, you know, someone has an athlete's foot. You have to tell them how far do you take it. If it's person, uh, you know they can't have kids. Obviously, you need to tell them. No, I don't. Well, I'm but I'm talking about sense of, if they're I, evil, they're going to beat their wife. You got to tell no, them. No, but I'm saying, but the person who's going to say whatever it is, let's say the guy has a, a reputation of for a ladies' man, all right? But I don't know that for 100. percent But I've heard that rumor before. I've heard that. I mean, so, this, so we'll talk about that. that. So that's a good point. You can say many times. You could say it's here, but you have to state that. Yeah. No, it's meaning if you're trying to prevent, like we're saying, for constructive purposes, and we'll talk about that, I can tell someone, listen, I heard this guy's ladies, man. I don't know if it's true. Check it out. So, so you're not saying a negative statement. Over there, you're not saying, you're saying you don't know. You're, you're saying, I don't know the facts. It's like a warning, not a possible warning. I'm just telling you, this is uh, what I heard. I think that's a fig leaf. <laughs> it is. You know, it is. You're, but you're, but again, the gossip, question. But you're gossip mongering. No, you're, you're, you're 100% you're, right. You're putting, you know, it is a fig leaf. You're 100% right. <laughs> to allow you. No, to so feel I agree with you. The question is well, again, no, because because the question really anyway, is the question is here. You have two statements in the Torah, two prohibitions. One is I can't speak negatively. The other hand, I need to save someone who's getting into a bad marriage. So, but I don't. So. You can. The question is, they're both obligations, so I, I need to cover my bases. You're right. I can't say that's fact. But see, no I, idea. I think there's a big difference in how you, the issue you raised and how you responded. You know, the 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 husband, the the prospect of husband or wife played around a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe a common occurrence mm-hmm. and. They may well be aware of that, and then now reach right. a decision to settle down. Yeah, it could be. Which, which is very. Well, he's talking about pre-marriage. I understand pre-marriage. Yeah. Yeah. You know, somebody, you know, played around a lot, and now getting married. Well, I guess I should. So have, I should have been more specific. Uh, let's, uh, you're right. But, but to me, that, that's right. To it's me, that's thing. very different than somebody. You cheated on past girlfriends. It's a habit of. of yeah, I'd go even behind. The see, story. I would go to someone who who broke laws. Uh, stole money, beat somebody, beat past girlfriends, whatever. To me, that that there's a line of what's worth warning about. You know, if somebody so if so so, so, so basically the question. It's a good question. The question we have to answer here. Sure, but no, why, but the question why, why here is: Do you get to be the judge? To me, I wasn't trying to be the judge. No, I'm asking what's to, allowed. Right. What's no, so it's a good point, David. There, there's, so a, there's a there's a lot. Yeah. You know, a bright line test of. Yeah. Because uh, you are the judge when you're going to them and saying they played around is different than they stole money. So I'll tell you. So that's the question, and we'll we'll get to I think, Unless which is that what what's the criteria for constructive purpose? To Meaning, me even there. again, there, when now you they, draw the line, like you're saying, in a marriage, maybe some people today is an open marriage. Well, that's about obviously Allah read that one but I'm saying yeah. the point is, where do you draw the line of what's constructive or not? Let's say a guy, you know. You know, at work, like he's saying, a guy's looking, you know, he goes, he, a few times a day, he checks his email privately, do I have to go running to the boss? 
you know, I'm saving the boss money. Obviously, there needs to be a line, and the fine line is to what is something that you're, is constructive. What, everything's constructive. You can misconstrue everything to constructive. So I think in a relationship, the Chafetz Chaim says clearly when he discussed it, he says when you're dealing with a marriage, where that's where he discusses the caveats, when you're allowed to talk, say something in a proposed marriage or a dating situation, he says that it has to be something that clearly will affect the relationship. Meaning, you can't just tell them, let's say, like I said before, if someone has athlete's foot, I don't know, <laughs> maybe that will affect the relationship. Or someone, uh, you know, they, they just they sweat a lot. You know, that's not so, you can't go and tell the prospective spouse, I just want to let you know that, that he sweats as like a dog. To maybe this yeah, you know, as, right, if they have a drinking problem or they, have, they had cancer, have cancer or they can't have children, that's something that clearly the decision about getting married that person or going to a relationship with that person is going to be based on, on the facts you're telling. But if it's just something, you know, listen, he, he has allergies or he's allergic to dairy, that's obviously, that's something you can't say because that's not something, you know, it has to be something relevant, substantial enough that it can affect the relationship. Same thing in business. So if someone's going into business with a partner, so if it's something, as we're going to see, that can affect the business, this guy, like you said, he was convicted of, or even not convicted, you know, he was accused of stealing in the past. Okay, so so that's something that's obviously very important for partnership. But if the guy is just uh, he's obnoxious, so listen, there are a lot of obnoxious people out there. I don't know if that's you know it could affect partnership, but not in a serious way. I mean, so you know, learn to live. People are obnoxious in a marriage. Obnoxious makes a difference. A business partnership, <laughs> I'm not sure it does. You understand? You need, you're right. It's a gray area, but it needs course, to. Yeah, you need the judge. The judge is not you. The judge is whether you have to really, honestly think: Is this revelation gonna is something that potentially could affect the partnership or the marriage or whatever the case is? You know, that's that's the way I would define it. And it's and it's, there is gray area. It's gonna be gray. Area. Now, getting back into the issue of work related, I always say the boss wants you to critique somebody. How do you balance that? If you stand a benefit from the team. Ah, so let's let's read a little. We, we don't have much time, so let's, let's, we talk about that. So again, the four categories I put down here at the bottom of page one is one is to help the person spoken about, to help to protect those negatively affected by the person being spoken about. So that that will be relevant to business in a, in a relationship, obviously marriage, to prevent the community dispute, to help others learn from the first person's faults. Okay, so that's already a little way, like in a classroom setting. So you're disciplining the child. So you're gonna say in front of the whole room, this kid, uh, you know, did this wrong. So that's because you, you want to have all the other kids to learn a lesson from. It. Okay, so that would be a case like that, or even in the office, it's possible. Obviously, you can't shame someone publicly, but if someone, if an employee did something which was a clear violation, you want the other employees to know that this is this. We don't do this. He did not say an ethical violation. We don't do this in our in this business, in this company. So that would also be a constructive purpose. Okay. So, so I have here two, two responses that I found. One is from Avad Yosef, who's a, obviously contemporary, died a few months back um, in Israel. So he talks about this question, and he also says how people think, oh, Lashonara is always prohibited. He says, no. So in fact, this is the way to understand the verse regarding Lashonara. Do not, and he interprets it as we did, do not speak Lashonara, but don't stand utterly by, again quoting this verse, by, by, by concerning the blood of your fellow. Even though there is a prohibition, he says, of Lashonara, nevertheless, the second clause of the verse tells you that it is conditional on this not causing harm. That means if by not saying Lashonara, by not gossiping, you're going to cause someone else harm, then you need to gossip. 
Therefore, you are obligated to inform others regarding certain matters in order for them to guard against loss and danger. This is expressed in Nida, the Talmud Nida, that even though it's prohibited to listen to Lashon Hara, but you should protect yourself from the potential danger you hear about. Okay, that's the Talmud says very clearly. You're allowed to take action on, on the gossip you heard, based on the gossip you heard, even though you can't believe it, as we say. But I can take protective action. So if I hear something about a potential partner, a potential business partner, whatever the case is, I'm allowed to act upon it. I can, I can now investigate. You can't say, well, you can't believe it. You can't do anything about it. No. Someone so told me this potential issue with this partner. So that would go I'm allowed to, your, to investigate the matter. Go back to your example about the security cameras. No, that's Maybe clear. Maybe you're told that somebody steals, but, and you can't believe it. Right, allowed so I'm allowed to, to go it, look, which is what happened. I now went, okay. based on what I heard, yeah. I, I asked the proprietor, to, mm-hmm. who I know has security, can I look at the footage? Mm-hmm. I went to his office, he showed me the footage, and it was right there. Yeah. And the footage, the person bringing something in. Mm-hmm. So, so, but I, meaning, I was allowed to look at the, exactly like you're saying, investigate the matter, mm-hmm. based on the Lashnara, no question. And the person was allowed to tell me that Lashnara is for, because it was constructive purpose. Okay, he say, he quotes, he continues on the Rambam, and he says that protecting another's money is also included, so this is what's important. Because the verse just says, rescue, save a life, based on Lashon Hara. It doesn't mention about money, so how do we jump to money? So you see, he quotes here, the Rambam says that protecting another's money is also included and don't stand idly by concerning the blood of your fellow. And this is, we, we discussed this once in the past, a few times actually. We mentioned the word, the Hebrew, and I put it down here on the page, is lo ta'amod al-dam re'ach. Dam means blood in Hebrew. But damim, the word dam, is also is money. The word for money in Hebrew is also, is a few words, but um, damim is the word for money. So the same word for blood is the same word for money in Hebrew, interestingly enough. Same source, which is dalad mem, dam. Dam and damim. So, so the, the commentaries explain, the Torah is not just telling you about blood, rescuing someone's life. Even money, protecting someone's money, is also worthy of a rescue. That means if I have the ability to rescue someone's money, I have to do that. If I see someone breaking, as we discussed in the past, breaking to my neighbor's home, I need to call 911. I'm obligated, according to the Torah. According to this verse, you need to do something about it. It doesn't mean you have to go out there, confront the guy, and, and risk your life, get shot, especially in Texas. But, uh, but, but it means if you have the ability to stop them, such as by calling 911, you've got to do that. So we're running out of time, so I'm just going to go quickly here. Therefore, even if there's only a financial loss, um, one should inform your fellow man in order that he can protect himself from those who want to harm him. Surely when there is a possible danger to an individual or a group. So we have a physical danger. But he says even financial loss. That means, again, if I know someone's going into business, or in the case, our situation where you have a question of should an employee, the, the boss wants the employee to talk to, to evaluate his colleagues. Now obviously hiring someone is going to be very, you know, should they keep his contract, should they renew his contract. If this person is a bad employee, the colleague is just doing a terrible job, then, he's, according to the Rambam, according to Rav Yosef, he's saying you have an obligation as an employee to tell the boss about it. So even unasked, it's, forget about if he's asking for oh, pay. Oh, even if he doesn't ask. Technically speaking, volunteer. yes. Okay. No, it's, have a good pesa. Car, so, uh, parking pass. So right. He walks. He's in oh. Greenway too. He's crossed away. So, so uh, the point is, according to the Rambam, according to Rav Yosef, here he's saying if I know that something is harming the company. I need to go help my boss out and do something about it. Not just because it's a goody-goody, you know, I'm a goody-goody. This is it's a biblical obligation. You're res- rescuing someone else's money. You're saving someone. Now again, if the guy's stealing paper clips, you know, I'm not sure <laughs> you have to, you know, is that something that's affecting that? Because it's a real monetary loss. It depends if you have, you know, a huge company and 5,000 employees, they're all stealing paper clips. That could be an issue. 
But I'm saying I don't. I'm not sure. Again, I, I don't there's know. There's a lot of gray area. Like yeah, I'm saying if, if someone's taking pens from the office. Let, let me give you a sidebar to that. If there's yeah. my experience in businesses, if they're taking paper clips, they're taking other stuff. Yeah, really but know. how about the employee yeah. that's on Facebook? They, they rarely during, are taking just one business thing. Right, so again, you know, I mean, it's like okay, if they spend half their time on Facebook and they're cheating, they're stealing from the company. Right. But if it's a couple minutes here, right, there, so I think it's today a area, it's, you know, a, it's, it's the norm. Unfortunately, I'm not saying it's right, but it's yeah. the norm, and every company understands their employees are going to spend a certain amount of time on their private emails, even though they shouldn't. Then it's probably it's against company policy. Many of them track it. But I think a certain amount, again, I don't know, it's a gray area where that amount is. A certain amount, yeah. it's understood their employees are going to be talking to their wives. They're going to go, you know, that. so that's in a certain sense accepted. So I just want to get to the back because we're out of time. I'm going to skip the bottom paragraph. But the, the Chavetz Chaim basically gives seven caveats for when you're revealing, when you're speaking Lashon in the permitted context. Seven caveats, again, and some of them are tough to, to fulfill all these. So he says like this, the back page. One must be absolutely certain that the information is accurate. So that's step number one. If you're not 100% sure this is the truth, or you just saw the employee on the computer, you don't know, so maybe he's private email, he's sending something for the, for the, he's doing the employee, told him to use his private email in certain situations. You don't know, you know, what the facts are, okay? So step number one is, caveat number one is, you need to know the facts. Either one had to have witnessed the incident himself, or he investigated the report and found it to be accurate. If one has second-hand negative information which he wishes to relate for constructive purpose, he must make it clear that his words are based on hearsay. So that's your situation. Um, what was your example, Brian? Philanderer. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know that he's cheating. Or you just you heard that this guy's a ladies' man. So then, if you you can say that, but you have to make it clear. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if it's true. This is hearsay. Well, I once I remember hearing a posted on Facebook a picture of a, you know someone else besides his girlfriend, whatever the case is, kissing someone. Y you have to make it clear that's hearsay. Because if you make it clear, so again, you're allowed to reveal it as long as you're putting it in the context that it's hearsay. Number two, one must think the matter through and be sure that a wrong has been actually been committed. Sometimes what one may think is a misdeed may in fact be okay. So I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example of that. But like I said, sometimes you see him, you see him during work hours, he's shopping, uh, he's on Nordstrom site. Maybe his boss told him to... To, to, to order a tie or get new ties. Okay, so you don't know why he's at Nordstrom during workouts. So it has to be, uh, you have to make sure, again, it's, it's really number one and number two are similar in the sense of you have to know that clearly a misdeed was done, that those are the facts. Number three, one must first approach the wrongdoer and attempt to persuade him to rectify his behavior. Only after this fails can one consider forming another. So obviously, in some cases, this is not going to work, but what we're saying is, let's say a guy is is uh, know, cheating on his wife, maybe that would be such a great example, but if someone's doing something, a colleague at work, doing something he shouldn't do, so you can say, by the way, you know the, the company policy is not to do that, and he says, oh, I know, I don't care about the company policy. So only then, meaning you have to have at least tried to fix this situation in some sense before you go and, and, and uh, speak negatively about it. If he didn't listen to you, if you tried to fix it, or so, and he's still doing it, so then you're allowed to, only then are you allowed to go and reveal the information. Okay, um, number four. So that's a very hard one, number three, because it doesn't always work. Sometimes you can mess yourself up, and then he's going to know you went to the boss. So you have to be careful in that situation. Number four is one is not permitted to exaggerate in any way. This is a problem. People you don't realize this, but as humans, we always tend to embellish, <laughs> especially negativity. When it comes to positive things, you know, you say it the way it is. When it comes to negative things, oh, this guy's a total idiot. I mean, he's total, you know, 
you wouldn't believe what he did. So you know, you only allowed to state the facts. You can't add your own embellishments, you know, and an introduction. You know, this guy's an idiot anyway. That's number one. So that's very hard. That's very hard to keep. Number four. Number five is one's intentions must be solely to help the person who's being victimized. So let's say, let's like we said, someone's cheating on their wife, someone's uh, you know stealing from their partner, their employer. So the the goal is again for constructive purposes. You have to your intent is to help the victim. If one harbors this is very important. If one harbors any ill will toward the subject, so let's say I happen to hate this guy because yeah, I'm you're doing it out of work. Yeah, you're you're or this guy stole my girlfriend, so yeah. now I'm going to go yeah. tell tell his new uh, you know I'm going to tell the new girlfriend whatever the case is the new the new guy you know what that he's a cheater, even though it's true. Facts are true. You ascertain the facts. But if it's because you want to take revenge because you happen to have an issue with this guy, you happen to have a beef with this person from some other issue, the Chavetz Chaim says that you can't, you can't be the one to reveal the information. Because so if you're going to reveal it, then clearly you're, you have, you're out to get him and you're going to yeah. embellish it. So the way to do it in that situation is you have to tell someone else maybe who then can go tell the spouse. So you have to figure out a way to do it. Where, where you're, you know, you have no right to do it because, again, you have other the assumption is you have ulterior motives. What if there's no current potential victim, but there is a possible future potential victim? Who you, who you tell? Let's say, for argument's sake, I did a business deal with someone who you, as a rabbi, I came to you and said, do you know this person? And you say, well, yes, I, I know him as a trustworthy person following me. Right. Best of you or not. I never said you weren't, you weren't vouching for his business acumen, just the trustworthy part. So I, I do a deal with him. But it ends up being that there is a there were some falsehoods in regards to how our relationship ended up. Alright. So now do I go back to as your as a person you're obviously giving out the information to this person is trustworthy, what do I tell you saying, well maybe you know, in this case he wasn't acting in a trustworthy manner? Not so you go back and tell the rabbi, you say? Yeah, because you're the one that's giving, the people who ask you, you're yeah, telling Yeah, for sure. Out. Listen, you need to know, I mean, like uh, in, in the Orthodox world, it happens a lot with Shadcha, you know, Shadcha, you have people who do matchmaking. So listen, they they need to know if someone, if a guy was a total idiot on a date, you know, he clearly, you know, yeah. they need to know that for the future when they set up this person. Yeah, so, so, so again, that's a constructive purpose. If there's a, if, you, if that's your goal, yeah, yeah, yeah. There doesn't have to be a victim. Meaning, listen, there's gonna be a victim. I mean, people are, are always repeat. No one, uh, people always repeat transgress. Listen, in certain, it's interesting that the Talmud says that if you see a righteous person do something wrong, you have to assume the next morning they did, they did tshuva. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now they won't do it again. But if it's someone who has a reputation, that means they're not righteous. I mean, if you know this guy, let's say, you see, not saying all rabbis are righteous, but let's say you see a rabbi doing something wrong, shouldn't be doing. Okay, so it says you have to you have to give him the benefit of the doubt. The next morning, you saw it happen, but the next morning you have to assume now he's he's clean, he's not going to do it again. But if it's someone who has a reputation, or even a rabbi who has a reputation of doing this thing, you know, then then you have a right to to assume that he's that he's just going along with his reputation. Okay, so someone gave you a bad check. Someone passed a bad check to your business. So now, you, now someone else is taking a check from the guy. You see, so you, uh, again, you can tell the other person, you know, you know, you, 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 listen, technically you should judge the person maybe it was a one-time thing. He bounced the check. Doesn't mean every time he, he writes a check he's going to bounce right. it. But you can tell the other guy, by the way, this happened to me. I don't know the situation. Or, the, you know, you need to investigate. He's, he's bounced bad checks before. Again, you have to do it in the, in the right manner.
course. If someone has a reputation, if they pass the check three times, then you don't have to do business again. You're allowed to tell other people, listen, be careful. You see, we're obligated to tell. Not only you're allowed to, you're obligated to tell. So we're, we're behind time. So let me just finish the last three. If one can affect the same result, this is a very important one. If one can affect the same result without speaking Lashon Hara, you must use that option. So if there's a way to prevent it from happening without actually going, speaking negatively about him, and I'm not sure of a situation like that, well, an example would be, then you're obligated to do that. So let's say someone's going into business, or, you know, I don't know what the case would be. But, but if you could think of examples where you can prevent the act, you know, another victim without actually speaking negative, if there's a possibility to do that, you have to go that other route without speaking negative. Um, I, oh, I do have an example. If one wants to warn a friend not to shop in a certain store because the proprietor's dishonesty, and there's a way to convince him to shop elsewhere without speaking badly, so you just tell him, by the way, there's a great sale down the block. Okay, there happens to be it's on sale, that item he's looking for. You know you don't want to shop in the store, this guy's dishonest, but you don't want to tell him that. Or you, you, you're not allowed to tell him if you can convince him to shop elsewhere without speaking negative. So if I say, by the way, it's cheaper in the next store, so that, then I have to do that. If it is, obviously you don't make a lie, you don't make up a lie. Number seven is one is not allowed to convey the information if this will result subject suffering a greater loss than Allah allows. Which, obviously, that depending on, on the situation, what we're saying is, if by you saying Lashon let's say this guy's going to have to close down his business. He did, you know, a small thing. But if people find out, let's say a restaurant, not kosher. So you know this guy, he didn't do a major violation. He brought something in which was questionable. It wasn't, didn't fit the standards. But it, So now if, I, if people, if word gets out on the street that this guy had a violation, people will stop. Yeah. I mean, he's going to have to close down his business. No one's going to use him as a kosher restaurant. But he didn't do something which warrants losing all his business. You understand? So that's where you have to be careful. You can't. If by speaking negatively, you're going to end up putting the guy out of business, and all he did was a small violation. So you have to be very careful. You know, this guy's going to lose a major $8 million client because yeah. he, you know, he, he steals pens or he steals paper clips. And maybe you'd say that's why. <laughs> so you have to be careful how, you know, you understand? It has to be warranted. What You have to think about the, the ramifications of your state and how that's going to affect it. And so back to my question it's a tough, it's a very tough. No, so if you're going to benefit, that's a problem. If you're looking for promotion and you want to get the, the, <laughs> you that spot open, that's a problem. On a superhuman effort, I, I keep it as simple and as truthful as possible. But I know I'm going to benefit anyway. Right, so what Chavetz Chaim says, if you have, if, if there's any ill intent on your part, you can't do it. Mm -hmm. Meaning if you have a beef with this guy, you no, should do it. No, I have none. But I, I mean, I, I like that personally, but I have to know. But even if I say this, and it's true, let's say he actually is stealing paper clips, and I know my boss has a real thing about that, all right, and that I'm going to get promoted. So that's a problem. According to Chavetz Chaim, that's a problem. Okay. That's, what I that's what it seems like. I have to look it up again. Remind me to show it to you in the original. Show it to you in the yeah. original. It's very interesting mm -hmm. to read those laws. I'll tell you, it's, a, it's so complicated. Mm -hmm. Rabbi, can I just like, real, real quick, I want to ask about number three. And this is not in a business situation necessarily, but it's a personal situation about approaching a wrongdoer. Okay, I have somebody in my shul that I used to go to. And this person was like... A nice person, but just gossip, gossip, gossip. Now, in a case like that... I mean, that's a nice. 
I mean, you know, first of all, number one, would it be appropriate to say to that person, you know, you should not gossip yeah, so, so much? Yeah, so listen, today... And, okay, and if that person says, eh, you know, I don't, I'm not doing anything wrong, you know, I'm just uh, talking, okay? Or whatever, people have all kinds of answers for why they do it. But in this particular person's case, then would it be incorrect for someone like me, say, to tell someone else, this person gossips a lot, and be careful what you tell this person? If, if it's constructive, I mean, if, yes, if, yeah, if I mean, I, it, that it person happen. could be harmed by their gossip. Exactly. Yeah. Because but if you it, tell somebody business that, you know, or some personal information or something that could get around, yeah. that could hurt you. Yeah, this guy has a loose mouth. Yeah, loose mouth. Yeah. What you're describing is something, the way you described Punch. it, that need is to give you so self-evident. Then why would you need to war warn someone else? Well, because if someone doesn't know the person... But would you describe... I'm only going... What you describe yeah, well, in three minutes is <laughs> very you know, you don't always You don't always know that about somebody right off the no, bat. No, yeah, they're new in the show. Right? That's right. You don't always know. They could be just friendly and they're talkative and they're nice. But you don't know that they go and they tell everything they know to everybody else. And, you know, there was someone that I knew like that. And, and it was a bad situation. This person was just a blabbermouth. And didn't see anything wrong with it. She wasn't mean. She was just, bleh, you know, she's empty-headed or something. Well, some people also and, can't and, hold you know, I'm wondering, in. is it okay then to people warn like another that, person? They're yeah. not even inside of the gas. Whatever you tell them, you know, everyone's going to know yeah. in the next 15 okay. minutes. So it's not so, wrong yeah, so then to listen, warn. Listen, people are going to okay. reveal things okay. to them which shouldn't be known, so that's a problem. We need to let people know. So it's not wrong to warn someone else who may not know this person to know that, be careful what you tell. Don't tell yeah. about your children, well, yeah. you know, whatever. I mean, again, okay. yeah, you, okay. need to, right. you need to warn them. Okay. I thought so, but I had to hear your answer. Okay. Brian, you didn't sign any, need your signature. No, no one's going to believe me. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so it's a tough, it's a very tough law, and it's it is probably, like we're saying, it's very hard to observe this in its full sense. There are such complicated laws. When I, I read that book less than a day through twice, and I should read it again now. It's been a couple of years. I mean, there's, and so much of it, like in the Torah, goes to intent. What is your intent? It's like what his example was. Well, what's your intent? Is your intent to do, to, because you hate this person and they did something to you? And so what's interesting is know, I found in the, in the Orthodox community, people will use this law as a protection. I can't say that. It's not sure. Or, you know, it's, which is a problem. That's why I wanted to bring out the times yeah. you have to say. People think, oh, Lashnara, you know, the, you know, because someone asked them something, so they don't want to say it. You know, or especially with with uh, marriages, and this has happened a lot. You know, people tell me after someone's getting divorced, I say, I, I knew right away, I knew, I knew going in that I should have told them something, but I didn't say it because yeah. I thought it was Lashnara. Idiot! We could have prevented this, this five five years of of, uh, of, of tor torture that these people went. So it's sad. I mean, you see, people. You know, we we're, sometimes we, we use it as a protection. We don't want to say Lashnara. You know, we don't want to get involved. You know, someone's dating someone, and we know yeah. this guy's a terrible husband, or whatever the case is. We don't want to say anything because we, so we use the law as a protection. To make sure. You know, after I read that book through twice. Thanks.